1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Well, friends, we're looking at this one verse uh, this evening, and my title is The Only Mediator. And it's going to be a very a simple message and a very uh, simple look at what this text is saying. And, but it's also, we have to say, a very important message, a very important theme, because it tells us how we can get to, to God. It tells us, in a nutshell, how we can find our way back to God. Here we are. We are lost without God. We are separated from Him. What's the way back to Him? How can I really find the Lord again? How can I know His favor? How can I know His blessing? How can I know His friendship in my life? This is what this verse is telling us in a very simple and clear way. And it points out to us the way. The way is through a person. That way is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, as it says here, the one mediator between God and men. So we'll be looking at that. But my first point really is uh, there is one God. There is one God. Atheism tells us there is no God. The Bible tells us there is one God. Atheism says no God. There's no creator. This world, it just came about by chance. Amazing thing to say, isn't it? Educated men are telling us these things. People who've got doctorate after doctorate are telling us that this world came in through a big bang. Uh, by chance, all the chemicals came together and formed this beautiful world in which we live. This ordered world, this complex world, Oh, they would never say that about earthly things. They would never say that about the things you find in the world. It just, uh, but uh, the, the things that we make, it just came about by chance. The benches or the cars, the engines that we make just came about by chance. No one would be foolish enough to say that. But they say our bodies, which are so much more complex than an, a car engine with all its parts, how much more our bodies, our brains, just one single part, our eye, one single part again. Oh, how much more complex these things are to what, we've, what man has made. And yet, we say it came about by fluke, by an accident. It just happened to, 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 to be. Oh, friends, this is what atheism says. No personal God. There's no, there's no God who's interested in you. There's no one looking down on you. No one who cares about you. No one who wants to be your friend. No one who, to whom you can relate. No higher being. You're on your own. That's it. There is no God. There's no governor in this world. You're left in man's hands. You're left with man to do as he wills. Would you like that? Is that a comforting thought as an atheist? To know that everything is in the hands of your political leaders and their decisions? Where's the comfort, friends, in that there is no plan of God being worked out in this world? 
Everything is just happening as day by day progresses. We have no idea as an atheist what's going to happen tomorrow. No security really for the future. You're just hoping that, that man doesn't press that nuclear button. You're just hoping another war doesn't start. You're just hoping that things are going to get better in this world. Well, it's all atheism. Miserable choice, really, to be an atheist. It tells you also, well, you can live as you choose. Make up your own mind. Make your own decisions. Don't worry about it. No consequences to, you, to, to your choices. No consequences for your sin. Put off judgment day. That's something old. That's something that's been drummed into you as a child. You, don't, you need to get rid of that feeling. There isn't any such thing. You can just carry on living as you like. Don't listen to your conscience. Friends, your conscience is your friend. Conscience is a gift from God given to every man. You cannot get rid of it. Try as you may. You can, you can stop it from speaking. You can smother it. But it will always come back and whisper something to you. But here is the thing. It's your friend. It's really not your enemy. And you don't want to smother it. But they will tell you, atheism will tell you, smother it. Don't listen to it. It tells you about God. It tells you what's right, what's wrong. Don't worry about it. It tells you there's a day of judgment to come. There's an eternity. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to its voice. Atheism has this effect of anesthetizing people's consciences, deadening it, numbing it, desensitizing it to sin and to those things, uh, uh, and to permit those things which are offensive in God's sight. The Bible tells us differently. The Bible here tells us there is one God, and that's a comfort. That shouldn't be scarce. There is a God who exists. There is a God who is concerned about people, who cares about the way that we are going. And friends, in the, the Bible tells us so much about this God. It tells us He is transcendent. He is great. He is wonderful. He is high above, this, above the world, high above all things. And yet, this, at the same time, He is a personal God. He is a noble God. You can come to know Him. You can come to have a personal walk with Him and a personal relationship with Him and a personal access to Him 24 by 7. This is the kind of God He has revealed Himself to be. This God, the Bible tells us, is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's immense. He fills the universe, but even the universe is too small for Him. He is much greater than the universe. He is infinite in all His ways. Forgiving, pardoning God. Oh, He has pardoned millions and millions who have offended Him. Oh, how hard we find it to forgive somebody a slight hurt that they have done to us. But God, this God, it tells us, is willing to forgive any who come to Him, even though they have committed thousands of offenses against him, if they're repentant, he is willing to forgive. He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. He's a God of love. Oh, friends, this is what the Bible tells us God is like. And it also, alongside that, 
as well as telling us these things, telling us that uh, he is our maker, it reminds us that we have obligations towards him. It reminds us that we cannot ignore his calls. We have a duty to obey him. He is our creator. He is our judge. So we are accountable to him. Well, oh, he desires so much, if only we realized it, to bless us. So often we think God is, we don't want God in our life because he's going to spoil our life, he's going to hinder our life. But really, that's what atheism does. But knowing the true God is to know true life, real uh, happiness, true happiness, when he blesses us with spiritual life and with that ability to communicate with him and to know him. Life, true life, true happiness, true purpose in life consists in knowing God. That's what life is all about, being in a relationship with Him. There's your rest, friends. That's what God intends for us. Real blessing, real peace, real contentment. Atheism comes along, steals these things from you. You follow atheism, you'll be robbed of all these things. You'll be robbed of true happiness. Robbed of real contentment. This is the, uh, what atheism steals uh, uh, from us. But look, secondly, uh, this verse also tells us that there is only one God. Not two gods, not three gods, not 23 gods, not a thousand, thousands of gods, as uh, one religion tells us. There is only one God. God is one, we know. Not three gods. God is one Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but just one God. Now, in the time when this particular letter was written, well, there were people believed in many gods. People were polytheists. The Romans had many gods, and the Greeks at this time, they also had a plurality of gods. The Jews alone stood out for their monotheism, that for, the, for having, believing in only one God. So it was, it was a vital message for the, for the people at that time. There is one God. What about today? How are things today? Have things changed today? Well, many people today are saying, we're all praying to the same God. It doesn't matter how you come. It doesn't matter what religion you believe in. Irrespective of your faith, whether you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Hindu, it all gets channeled, they say, to the same God. Is that true? Is that true? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that in a moment. But really, uh, in answer to this question, are, are there people today who believe in many gods? And we have to say, yes, even today. Even today, there are people who are uh, believing that there is more than one God. If you've ever, ever visited the Far East, well, you know that in the Far East it's quite common for people uh, to hold uh, a geographical, each geographical region having their own particular God. I remember when we were in China and uh, we tried to introduce people to the gospel and we came a, a, a lot of times uh, with, uh, we came in, uh, into contact a lot of times with people who said, well, Christianity, no, we cannot accept that. It's a Western religion. It belongs to the West. Not, not, it's not for us. 
we're Buddhists. We, we have our own religion, thank you very much. And they have this geographical idea of every region having their own God. There are still people as well who hold as uh, that the Christian faith is a white man's religion. It's not for black people. It's not for brown people. It's a, it's a white man's religion. Well, friends, this verse tells us differently. If you look at the whole context in which this verse is found, it tells us that this one God is for all men. There in, in the very first verse, when he's talking about prayer, Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, prayers and supplications be made for all men. And that it's, not, it's talking about all kinds of men, all different nationalities, all different kinds of people. And then again in verse 4, God, uh, who, who will have uh, all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. All men there again, all kinds of men uh, to be saved from everywhere. And in that context of all men, he says in verse 5, there is one God. One God for everyone, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their skin color. The world has only one God, and he desires the, uh, them to come to him. This one God is for all. He is for everybody. He's not only for the Jews. He's not only for the Westerners. He's not only for white people. He's for everyone. He's for the Chinese. He's for the Africans. He's for everyone. God's arms are not restricted to a particular uh, nationality or particular group. This verse tells us this one God, his arms are outstretched to all, to all nationalities and to all kinds and ranks of men and women. You may be rich, you may come, but you may be poor and you can still come to, this, to God. You may be a very simple person or an educated person. This God is for you. You may be at different stages in your life, nearing the end of your life or beginning your life, but this God is for you. You may be a sick person or a healthy person. Once again, this God is for you. An extrovert person or a shy person, none of, none of, none of us are excluded. He is for each one of us, friends. This one God is for all. And this one God calls you to himself. He calls each one. When the Lord was here again and again, he used those, that wonderful word, whosoever, whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever is, excludes none. And the invitation is given by God to the whole world, to any individual, regardless of where they come from, their rank or their color or nationality. So this is the one God overall. But then next we see that there is only one uh, mediator. Verse 5 again, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Well, I think we all know what a mediator is. You know, somebody who comes uh, between two contending parties 
and it, there's a contention on, on both sides, differences, disputes are there, and this person comes uh, to be a middleman and to remove those uh, contentions and to restore uh, contact and communication which has been broken down and restore fellowship uh, between the two parties, or friendship I should say, and this is the role of a mediator. And we see this and are familiar with this in uh, everyday life. Employers and employees often have, it seems, uh, disagreements uh, about working conditions, disputes about uh, pay and so on. And a mediator may come in uh, to reconcile the two groups together. We often see this with uh, couples who are at loggerheads maybe with each other. And both sides, the husband is unhappy, the wife is unhappy, and both are at fault. And then the middle person comes in to try and sort out the problems and to uh, speak for both sides, an impartial person uh, to reconcile them together. Or we see it even uh, recently, I think, uh, with the, the railway issue, the railway uh, strike, uh, railway workers who are on strike. And there's this one side is the railway workers and the trade unions. The other side is the government. And never the two seem to be able to come to meet. And what's the problem? Well, there's no mediator, as far as I know. There's no middleman there trying to bring them together. One side is saying one thing, the other is another. And they seem to be at, uh, at odds with each other. And this, dip, this dispute and the strikes are still ongoing, still unresolved. But a mediator, that's the role of a mediator to bring the two sides together. And here Paul is saying that uh, the one mediator between God and men is the man Christ Jesus. But do I need a mediator? Why do I need a mediator, you may ask? Cannot I just go to God directly by myself? No, friends, you cannot. You cannot. And the Bible tells us why. There is a contention between God and men. We cannot just go to him uh, directly by ourselves. God is our creator. We owe him our love and obedience. But we have rebelled. We said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to obey God. He made us for a relationship with him. But we want nothing to do with him. We want to get as far away from him as we can. God is holy, friends. And uh, because he is holy... He can have nothing to do with sin. Sin cannot come near him. Sin, sin cannot come into his presence without being obliterated completely. Sin cannot stand in his presence. And we are sinners. We are sinful. How can I come with all my sins and stand before a holy God and speak with him without a mediator? He must punish sin as, as well because he is just alongside his holiness. This is an, another aspect, another attribute of his character is that he's, uh, he, he is just and he must punish all sin. He cannot arbitrarily just forgive sin, just like that. Some religions will teach you that. God will just forgive you, but he makes no, no atonement without an atonement. He can just pardon your sins just like that. Friends, he cannot. If it's a true God, this God who is just, every sin must be punished. And it is right that it should 
be punished. So how can I? That's the question. How can I, as an unholy person, a polluted person, in thought and in action and in, uh, in unclean in so many ways, wretched in so many ways, behavior and words and so many things we could go through, how can I approach such a holy God as I am? I cannot. It would be easier for you to get into Buckingham Palace, to climb over the fences in Buckingham Palace, and to go and, and have an unannounced audience with King Charles. Well, that would be easier to do than to approach a holy God, or to get into 10 Downing Street, and to see, go, get beyond the gates of 10 Downing Street, to see the Prime Minister. Difficult, yes, we'd say to do, but that would be far easier than getting to meet a holy God by yourself, without a mediator. We are the cause of the contention, friends, between God and us. We said when a when husband and wife, well, there are faults on both sides. But in this case, this relationship with God, the fault is entirely on our side. The contention is God is unhappy with us because of our sin, because of our rebellion. He has done nothing amiss. He has done nothing wrong towards us. He has not put a foot wrong, we could say, in the way he has dealt with us. He has dealt with us righteously, graciously, kindly. He has been good towards us. The fault is entirely from our side. Well then, this is our biggest problem. This is man's biggest problem, that he cannot get to God by himself. And we could also say it's a problem for God. Because God, alongside His holiness and justice, which cannot stand sin and must punish sin, alongside that is also His desire to be gracious and His desire to be reconciled uh, to sinners and His desire to extend mercy. And He loves to extend mercy even more than to judge. And He desires to be reconciled to these guilty sinners. What then can be done? What can be done to reconcile God's justice on one side and His desire to show mercy on the other? Well, there's a need for the mediator. That's where Christ comes in. Christ must come from heaven. The second person of the Trinity, the second person of the Godhead, the very Son of God Himself must leave heaven and He must enter into our world. He must become man He must take to Himself our human nature alongside His divine nature. He takes uh, alongside Him our human nature and He must become like one of us in every point except for sin in order to be our mediator. One must come from heaven. Christ must come from heaven to represent man. He must come down uh, to our level as it were Why must he become man? Because it's man who sinned. It's man whom God is seeking to reconcile. A man must make an atonement. A sinless man must make an atonement. And that's what Christ uh, came to do. He came uh, to make an atonement for sins. As the God-man, he made an atonement for sins. As the God-man, he went uh, to the cross to take upon Himself at the cross the punishment for all those who would believe and trust in Him. All that 
all the agony, all the, the terrible pain that he went through was, was to make an atonement for his people. And this is what uh, he, he did, the, to stand in the place. They deserved to be there. They deserved to suffer and to die eternally. But the, uh, the Lord said, I will come into the world. I will be their mediator. I will take the punishment that they deserve upon my own shoulders so that a way may be opened for God to forgive them all their sins, those who believe in, in him. Well, couldn't an angel have done that? Why didn't God send an angel to, uh, to do that work of redemption? Because an angel couldn't do it. Even an angel couldn't bear the punishment for sin, that infinite punishment of sin being laid upon it. It would have obliterated an angel. How about us? Even us, even if we were without sin and we tried to make an atonement for other people's sin, it would obliterate a perfect man. It had to be and only could be the God-man, Jesus Christ, coming into the world. Only a divine person could bear that infinite punishment and survive. And that's why Christ came into the world. And he alone could come out go through that, 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 that suffering, that agony on the cross, and come out the other side. It was his divinity that sustained him uh, through it all. Oh, friends, this is what Christ has come to do, to be a mediator for sinners, to do for us what no one else could do. And he is the one who has come and who has dealt with that contention between God and ourselves and has made a way for us now, through him, to come back uh, to God. That's why he is the only mediator in this world. There is no other way to God. The only way we can come back into a friendly relationship with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But what about other religions? What about them? They all have their own teaching. They all have their own philosophy. That's true, but they don't have a mediator. They don't have a savior. They don't have a go-between between, uh, someone to speak to God on your behalf. They have no one who has removed that contention. No one who has come between and dealt with your sins. They tell you, you don't need a mediator. You can do it yourself. Most, many religions, it's like this. It's a DIY religion, I call it. Do it yourself. You can get to God. You can get to heaven by yourself. You are your own savior. You, by your good works, by your prayers, by the kind of life you live, you can appease God. You can pacify him as it were. You can obtain your own ticket to heaven just by saving yourself, by, tr by living a good life. You can't, friends. It, they tell you it all depends on you. You don't need a savior. But it's not enough. We can never, a, a sinner can never make amends enough uh, uh, for his own sins. He needs uh, a savior. He needs only Christ. That's what, why Christ came, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, to save us from our sins by bearing it 
in his own body. Well, friends, do you have a mediator? Do do you have a mediator? Is he, is Jesus Christ your personal mediator? This is what he offers us tonight himself. We need Christ and he comes and he's here. He stretches out his arms to us. To who? To, To just a few? No, to all of us. He stretches out his arm to each one of us. He calls us to himself. Come unto me, he says. I will lead you to God. I will take you to God. We often, some people like to, like to say it in this way, put your hand in his. Well, I don't particularly like the term and the phrase, put your hand in his. But if it helps you to grasp what it means to trust in Christ, then I will use it. Put your hand in his. Take him by faith. Trust him entirely. Trust him wholly to get you to heaven. Remember that Christ is for all. None of of us are shut out. All of us are welcome to come to him. The only person who could exclude you uh, from coming is yourself. And your reluctance and your unwillingness to come and your hesitancy to come There's nothing on his part. He's more than willing to accept you if you come to him uh, tonight. So come, uh, friends, and remember this one simple message. One God for all, for all kinds of people. One mediator and savior for all, for all kinds of people, regardless of where you are tonight. Make him your own. Take him as your savior Come to Him in repentance. Come to Him trusting in Him alone. Come to Him yielding your life to Him and you will, He will take you to God and to heaven. Let's pray together. O oh Lord our God, we bless Thee that Thou hast made a way for us to rise to Thee and be reconciled to Thee through our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee that Thou hast granted a Saviour for sinners. O Lord, we would be lost and entirely hopeless without hope in this world without Christ. But, O, we thank Thee that we have hope in Him, hope of forgiveness, hope of peace with Thee, hope of eternal life in heaven above. O Lord, we owe all these things to Thee and to Thy kind dealings with us through our Saviour, and we ask that each one of us may know him whom to know is life eternal. We ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, close uh, this evening by singing our final hymn, 417. O Lord, from whom there's naught concealed, 417.